Hello, welcome to the High Hops Podcast. With us as always... <laughs> you fucked up already. What did I say? You just said with us as always. With me as always. <laughs> Correction guru, BB Ward. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. We're recording this intro just as we're about to head off for a... We're going outside. We're going outside. We're going into the world. I don't know. Not to a pub, but to a carpool comedy night thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to watch comedy in our car. In our car. So that's exciting. Yeah. Different than being inside. And we're leaving the cat oh, sorry, all by babe. herself. But before we head off, though, we have one last interview to give you. Uh, and that is another Plymouth local. It seems we've got a lot of... Uh, I'm telling you, breweries we're get, down we're, here. We're getting... If you bring up <laughs> your, your goddamn it's, beer mile, it's you bring happening. it up in this episode, so we already cover it. I do. I bring it up in every episode. Goodness anyway, yeah. So, uh, relatively new, like find us finding this about out about this place. Mm. Um, how did how did we find out about Steel anyway? It was well, I'd heard about them prior when uh, when Vessel was open. Mm. Uh, people were talking about this new brewery that was opening in uh, Royal William Yard. Yeah. And that they had an amazing kit and it looked amazing. Mm. And then coronavirus, so they couldn't open. Yeah. And I got a chance to go and uh, see it, which I do talk about in this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we we sort of, for me, I found out about them because of their charity drive, um, mm. which we do talk about as well. But it was um, people could buy a pint for the NHS. Yeah. And um, they were giving away a thousand pints. Yeah. So already kind of like putting themselves out there. Um, it's interesting uh, for us because a lot of the breweries you've spoken to have been cuckoo brewers. So mm. they might have a premises like Bulletproof where they have uh, a bar, mm. um, but they'll brew with Padstow or Utopian. Um, so this is kind of outside of Rome, our other major actual yeah, brewery. With actual kit and stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to hear differences i guess yeah um so we'll be back in just a second with our interview my name's uh, nick i'm the founder of steel Bruco, based in the royal william yard in plymouth i think we're we've only sort of just found out about steel brew um like which just you, before all this madness. yeah just before all this madness happened would you like to sort of do a, a kind of a brief run, history yeah yeah who who are steel yeah so um it's gone from being um brewing um cheap kits in my um in our laundry room at one house to um, setting up a 100-litre uh, pilot system in our new house. Um, and now we're set up on a full-size six-barrel plant at the, at the Royal William Yard. Nice. How, lo- how long have you guys been operating for? It's been going uh, for just over a year and a half um, as a, you know, a trading brewery. Um, before then, I probably spent about a year and a half, two years moonshining by candlelight um <laughs> just trying out different things and you know, i kind of fell into it by accident mm. um, really and, and just got a, a really big kick um from the idea of being able to um, mix different ingredients into into beer kits actually mm-hmm. but i didn't start off as, as an all-grain brewer <laughs> and to, an, to a degree i'd say i'm still relatively new at all of this so um, quite interesting the day that i turned on this uh you know, to, to brew 800 litres of beer, I was just scratching my head like, right, be confident and just go for it. <laughs> cool. So you just, uh, you kind of made the decision, like, this is it. It's going to be, it's going to be my business. I'm going to properly, what yeah. kind of made you make that jump in a way? I think there was actually, there was, there was a huge amount of circumstance. So 
you, <laughs> I was trying to dart around and find ways to stay the right side um, of the inland revenue. Mm. And it became very clear to me that they've got, you know, a set of rules that are, you're either a home brewer and it's for personal consumption or you're a commercial brewer and you need a license. Mm. I kept talking myself around to the idea that well, maybe I was a home brewer, but I, I think I've, you know, my background is in, is in business mm. um, of, of various different kinds, but you know, my career is in management consulting and, and technology consulting. So what turned in, you know, what was a hobby for me, which is brewing very quickly became, you know, I linked to the other passion to it. And it. It seems to have worked very well. So by taking that step and, you know, deciding to run it as a business as opposed to just kind of keeping it as a hobby mm. um, worked out pretty well. And I think after the first year that we were trading, um, and, you know, doing a lot of pop-up stuff at the Royal William Yard and, you know, in other venues across the city, it became obvious that people liked it. So there was, there was always going to need to be, um, you know, an upscale. Mm-hmm. It's just what, what could be produced on, you know, on 100 litres going like the clappers just was never going to, you know, it was never gonna, even going to break even when you consider the cost of ingredients and what we were trying to do. Mm. Um, so I think that gave us a really good kind of leg into the, um, into the local beer scene, if you like, mm. um, and we our own destiny from there. Awesome. Who, are, who would you say your, uh, your sort of customer base is then? Who are the kind of your, your regular kind of beer drinkers? What kind of angle of you do you go for? That's a, that's a really good question. I, I think we're still finding that out. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so obviously because of, of the time that we, we've launched during this COVID situation, um, we've gone from a really cold start. So anything that we've ever done has been pop up. There's been no direct customer sales. Mm-hmm. So we've always been at a venue that have a, a customer base already, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, Hutong, um, just outside the Royal William Yard or Southwest Sup, we were you know, supporting all of their bar and live events last year. And mm-hmm. um, they already had a captive audience. So we've gone from like 300 followers on Instagram and those are the people we're trying to sell to and a very small mailing list of people that wanted to, um, you know, wanted to find out when we launched the product. But it's, it's a really interesting demographic. And, and what's nice is our returning customer rate is going up week on week. Yeah. So whilst our sales are increasing, then the number of people are coming back, and it, it's is such a mixed demographic, mm. which I really like. So I can't, I can't look at it and stereotype a group of people and say, "Well, you're obviously a beer drinker," yeah. <laughs> or you'd expect to be, you know, relatively traditional. Mm. Um, there's one guy in particular. I hope he, I hope he hears this. I won't name him, but he's only interested in buying Chairman Yao. <laughs> and if I being, you know, I would have, you know, definitely said some, he would be, you know, more of a lager or a, mm. you know, a light, a light beer drinker, and he only wants the pokey stuff. That's it. And there's no, no swearing, and he doesn't want to try anything else. He just wants the, the meepers or go home. Yeah. So it's been nice to really discover that. I think that's cool. No, we've uh, we've got it here, Chairman Meow. We are big fans of Chairman Meow as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, oh, that's why when you dropped off, I was just like, "Is that Chairman Meow?" <laughs> <laughs> you were like, "Yep, it's in there." So yeah, no, we're a fan. Um, and is it based on a? I read I was reading the label. It's based on an actual cat. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. It's very, um. Yeah, it's based on my cat. 
who's not actually a boy. So there's a real oh. sense of uh, I don't think she'd be too keen if we started calling her that. But we, um, I think it was over a year ago now, we, we ran a competition based on a picture of my cat looking very um, overly confident. And um, we just asked for beer name suggestions and someone came back with Chairman Meow and it stuck. Yeah, it's a good name. Oh, cool. So is it like, is she like a brewery, brewery cat? She at the venue? Uh, she was when it was here, although she's yeah. relatively useless, to be honest. She's just a little <laughs> bit too comfortable, to be honest. I think if um, I think if I took it down to the Royal William Yard and said, you know, go fetch, <laughs> I, I think she'd really hate it. So, you know, she's, um, she's in her cat basket upstairs and retired from... From brewery life. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, back to like the uh, kind of who who you're thinking is going to be buying the bit. Obviously, you've just kind of opened the venue, sort of, with this all what's going on. Um, when you were designing it, um, was there like a kind of vision in mind in design? Because it looks amazing, um, and everyone was like super excited and bradley's had a little you've seen it haven't oh, really? you? yeah I, when I, you I loved, collect. I loved the look of the location when when i came down yeah so was there like a vision in design um kind of we it, it's all come together i think through different um it's, it's difficult for me to put my finger on it it's been the design of the space has actually been very well thought through because we've had a lot of structural challenges so um we've got no direct floor drainage so we've had to build a raised platform and everything from the bar, the cold room, the drainage solution, like everything that needs to support anything else mm. has had to be built freestanding because mm. it's a listed build. So we can't touch the floor, the ceiling, the walls, the columns. We just, we, everything has to be freestanding. So that's been a real challenge for, um, for us to design this space. But I think when we took when we decided that's where we were going to be, it, we knew all of that. So what I think is, and, and this has been confirmed from a lot of the, you know, the yard residents and the people within the immediate football vicinity is that there is a, you know, a standing space um, gap for them in the market. And it's been very well embraced by them for what it is we've done. So mm. you know, I, I was referring to it before Christmas. It's very spit and sawdust. Um, and I think, for us, the balance is trying to mix the, you know, the operational side. So, um, you know, there is standing space directly in front of the brew house. So whether that's us doing packaging or, you know, kegging, brewing, there'll be certain things that we want to keep open so that people can see it as a work in progress. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a closed off space. I don't know long-term as we need to grow, um, how sustainable that will be. Um, Obviously, you know, we're in quite a, a small footprint at the moment, but as we grow into that, that space, yeah. um, I think there will be certain things we have to you know, kind of keep back a little bit. But right now, what I like is that the whole thing is on show. It's, mm. it, it, when we have people in there, they'll be able to see us working. Yeah. Obviously, there are things we need to be, you know, we can't do a you know, caustic <laughs> sip wash when we've got 100 people in the venue. But, um, <laughs> within reason there's quite a lot that we can do as it as it's an open space and you know not trying to hide pallets of bottles and grain and you know all of our other infrastructure mm. you know they are just part of the furniture yeah. for want of a better way of putting it and um you know we've got whiskey barrels this week um for, for uh, an aged um stout project I'm to have, um 
and that's you know again just strapping them down to a pallet and having them act as you know distance dividers at the moment so we can get people in that's kind of the way i see it so from the design aspect yeah it's trying to keep it as being you know modernish because all the equipment very very shiny mm. um and the face is obviously very clean um and then trying to you know move that into the fact that it's a listed building we've not changed any of the windows the floor has barely been cleaned the columns is as they were you know 40 years ago mm. and we're trying to bring ourselves to the space as opposed to adjusting too much of how the space feels for us yeah uh, did you have any uh other breweries that you were sort of bearing in mind when you did it because I think based on what you've described and what I've seen so far um I can't remember the name off uh, top of my head but it reminds me of a place Phoebe and I visited uh, in Paris last year where you go in mm. and it is just a working brewery around you as you're taking your drinks and I really like that style and I think that's something that currently doesn't exist in Plymouth no yeah definitely and or in the south in general I think most yeah. of the places you go to like what you said it's a separate if it's a tap room, it's a separate location to uh, the main brewing um, or it's just a brewery and the tap room somewhere completely different. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like that, that angle for the aesthetic. Did you, have you did, was there anywhere in mind that you sort of had gone, that's, that's a really cool idea. I want to go with that. Or did sort of the, it, it developed as it, as it went. Yeah, I think it, it definitely developed as it, as it, you know, as we decided to take the space, mm. I don't think, um, I don't think logistically there was ever going to be an option for us. The brewery had to be in the same space as the tap room just yeah. because, you know, um, that was the, the size of space we were leasing. And before we realized we could do that at the Royal William Yard, we were looking at um, locating to a farm um, outside of Plymouth, just up the road from where I live. <laughs> um, and that was, you know, that was just ruled out very quickly because of a, you know, the cost of the dragging a huge electrical cable through a very long trench across a main road. Okay. Um, but it, it really was, you know, that, that could have been where we were. Mm. Um, and that was before the summer that we had last year where we were at the yard, you know, for various different things almost, you know, every other day as it felt. So it's actually always been a bit of a spiritual home. Mm. So the fact that we could be there doing this is, has worked out really well. And it's a really, mm. really good use of the space because it's not being developed um, as part of the initial phase of the, of the Melville building. Mm. So for us, we've just been able to go in there and, and kind of crack on as, yeah. as we have done. As you Were you going to do a tap room at the farm as well? Or was it just the brewery? No, the exact opposite. Yeah. So we would have just been a brewery. And that, the, the fact that we're not doing that now has really changed the model, mm. um, which is why I think it's been quite easy for us to adjust to this situation because things have always, you know, there are always problems to solve. And it's always a case of just figuring out, you know, where you're going to get your market from as you adjust to, you know, different decisions that you make. Mm. Cool. Um, well, I was, uh, oh, go on. I was just going to ask um, that decision to go into having the brewery yourself. A lot of breweries in Plymouth, uh, Anchor House, um, Bulletproof, they cuckoo, um, and that's a large part of their business model. Was that ever something you, you considered? I think different business models suit. Um, they obviously suit different businesses for me. And I, I, I feel like I can, I can say this cause I've, I've lived in Plymouth all my life. Um, but the place suffers from, um, certain image issues. And if we, you know, before, before Sam opened vessel, there really wasn't any craft beer scene in Plymouth. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, I know they've, you know, that's been open for a number of years now. And even last year, what Rome did, and even when Rome rebranded and John took over, you know, that that's still really, really low numbers. Um, my, I, I think this is two separate questions, really. The, there's the image issue I, I see around the fact that if you're going to be um, running as a brewery, then the process is a brewery. And a, a few things have been um, said around, you know, the economical, green, um, other reasons why it would be cheaper to, or, you know, more environmentally friendly to use um, other people's facilities. I get that. Mm. Um, but I can't really see how you can fail. And, and I mean that in the, in the positive sense of mm. failing. You know, I've made some really crap beer <laughs> and I think you need to learn that and you need to have this constant target. And I think that's, that's taken away from people. That and I think it's a very different proposition, you know, mm. what, uh, what I have to do, it, you know, in, in the day to day and um, to grow the brands, to continue to make good product is it, a very different set of, you know, circumstances to someone that's effectively good. For them. Okay. And that's not a knock. I mean, it, it sounds like I'm, I'm knocking it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really not. Mm. I think if that's a, for whatever reason, but I think, and, and that's where I would summarize the Plymouth issue is that Plymouth has uh, an image issue. And, you know, a, to me, a, a, a brewery tap room, a tap room with a brewery on site is what we've created is it's what is at Rome mm-hmm. yeah. um, to try and present it as being anything other than that. It's not. So, um, no, that's really interesting. I think, um, like you say, it's, it's, it's a business model kind of, it all comes into play. And I think that for those um, that listen and have never been to Royal William Yard, um, it's an old Navy dock site. It's all stone walls. It's, it, it's like a different planet. You can't quite believe that it's in Plymouth. Um, whenever my parents come down, because they lived it for a bit, uh, whenever they come down, all they want to do is go to like a, like Wagamama's in uh, Royal William Yard because they really like the buildings and things. Um, and I totally get that. And I think, uh, yeah, the businesses that are in Royal William Yard, they all kind of fit together. Um, I think definitely like it was kind of crying out for a tap room um, and yeah, so I think, and you've got so many people you can work with there. There's a, um, like the, the I can't say, is it Vision Noble? Is that how they say it? The wine company. Noble. Yeah, them. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, so it's just, you. There's. I feel like, yeah, there's definitely space for a brewery tap room. And yeah, I'm very, I can't wait for it all to kind of open up. So, because I'm assuming there'll be like um, areas outside that you can go in or I haven't actually been, you've been, haven't you, Bradley? I have. So, so outside is something we're working on. Okay. We'd like to do something. Um, again, when Bradley, you probably remember the door that you came through. Um, yeah. Effectively, it's, it's between two substantial buildings and can either be lovely and sunny mm. or be uh, just a massive wind tunnel. Oh, no. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of our option for the moment. Um, I don't know what we'll choose to do. Um, as Melville's developed, there'll be space in the courtyard, so hopefully we'll be able to do something mm. out there mm. as we grow into the space, which will, you know, that's being designed as, a, as an outside seating area, I believe, for the other um, places that are going to be there. So that's what we would be able to do, but that's a few years away yet. Yeah. 
No, it's just I'm really excited uh, regardless. Of it, in terms of talking about cuckoo brewing, would mm. it would it be something you would ever could be considered, you would consider offering, uh, allowing people to come in and, and use your equipment? Um, or would that all depend on your actual capacity once you're, once you're, you know, in full swing? So at the moment, we just don't have the capacity. We've had um, three or four inquiries already mm. um, from people asking if, they can, if we have available space. And this is a really interesting time to be a startup and <laughs> to be saying, ah, we've got no space. We're making loads of beer because um, we've, now we've got to sell it. But I think, you know, we kind of need to take a really good run at this. And at the moment, my projection is um, that by the end of this year, our capacity will have increased uh, three or four times from what it is now. Mm -hmm. um, so within the next you know, six months, we'll have ordered four more tanks at twice the capacity. So 12 barrel, um, and we'll add those to the fleet. Um, canning should be online this year, um, and it will just increase our general circulation. So that's that's assuming the growth continues at the, at the rate we've seen, and that doesn't account for us having any tank space. And again, I think it, it really does depend on 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 the circumstances. So. I don't, even, I don't really know anything about cookie brewing. I don't know what we would need to do, but if someone was to come in now and say, I, I want to make beer on your system and you know, use one of your tanks, I mean, I, I barely know how to use it. I don't know if I'd let anyone else in and give them the key to it. So I'm still probably quite precious um, about that. And I, and I just don't know how it works. Um, I know that um, I think the other breweries that you mentioned, they're using utopian system yeah uh, which is considerably bigger and more complex than ours so i don't know uh, i don't know the logistics of that but um at the moment i just can't see that we would have the available space yeah and, and obviously for us that's a really good thing mm. i wanted to go back into your little beer a little bit more because obviously we spoke about kind of your customer but the actual your kind of product range at the moment did you kind of want to go over kind of like what what your your range as a whole how do you see it how do you see it expanding or do you see that this is kind of the, the lineup that you will be offering, at least for the foreseeable future? Yeah, so I, I had um, a design meeting last week and I um, started it by throwing a massive grenade at everybody and said, <laughs> I don't want to do a core range anymore. Nice. Um, so what you were looking at with um, Breakwater um, Mantra, uh, there was beer in there called Bombshell and uh, Pale Ale called Plymouth. Um, they were going to be four beers sat in a core range and they were easy drinking. You know, they weren't controversial beers. Um, they were things that I felt that we could produce. And it's actually just in the, in the run up to trying to get ingredients in, to schedule brewing days, to think about what I want to make. It's just making me miserable. So I've decided I don't want to do it for the moment because yeah. there's just, I think there's going to be consistency issues for one thing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, I, I really took that away from some of the, the other breweries I've been talking to across the UK. Um, I had a great chat with one of the guys at Tiny Rebel um, just this size of Christmas. And, you know, they, they already planted the seed of talking me out of it. And mm. I think to be experimental, we don't have to conform with what we're doing down here. Um, we can do, we can make what we like. And that's kind of the way I'd like to, mm. to continue. So at the moment, we've got a Saison and a wheat beer um, that we're going to package independently of the fruit base that we're adding to it. Um, 
just because they're great beers and you know the base that we've used we want to keep consistent so if we're going to do something with a wheat beer we'll, we'll continue to brew the base mm-hmm. same with the saison you know sour beers and, and other styles um and that to me is really more what i want to do is look at producing a, a series of um you know standardized recipes that we use to adjust into different product mm-hmm. based on the season other other occasions and those can just um take a notch up every time so you know we're at i think we're at number four at the moment we'll be at number five afterwards but we'll just keep running it as a series of different style beers that we you know we just increased by the number that they were brewed at and kind that's of like the closest by numbers I- in a way yeah absolutely no that sounds great kind of break away from the core range element that everyone kind of mm. yeah kind of goes with no and like you say you're doing you're going to play some barrels as well which uh i'm always mm. really excited about so uh yeah. yeah is that kind of like in like like kind of christmas in mind for that one yeah so i'm i'm gonna make a um a terry's chocolate orange <gasps> stout um i'm just trying to figure out exactly how i get um an 11 percent abb stout our system at the moment um so i think i'm going to double batch it and i want to what uh say i want to world ferment we we're only using fake yeast at the moment mm-hmm. um wheat beer in the saison we've used traditional um traditional yeast for those but everything else we've brewed has been with a um, fake yeast so we now have our own house blend um if you like and that will do the same um and i'm going to ferment it in the barrel not in the tank so this is kind of, this could be a horrible experiment <laughs> that I get to remember and realise that I've just wasted three barrels and, you know, a lot of stout, but I think it's going to come out really good. With, uh, with your brews as well, you were obviously saying like when you started, you, you brew, uh, you brewed some, in your words, kind of you some shit beer and obviously you, you, uh, you know, definitely improved based on what we've had. How do you kind of come over that? How do you, uh, take what you've learned? And what beers are you doing now based on your past failures? So I think there's, there's, two, um, there's two things to take away from mm-hmm. that for me as a, as a brewer. The first is that I, I brew beers that I don't like that other people do. Mm-hmm. That's been really difficult to find mm-hmm. motivation to make things again, even though they've been really well received. Mm-hmm. I don't like drinking it. So it makes it really difficult because I can be my own worst critic. So I don't like it. Why would anyone else? And, you know, that, that's actually a real challenge to kind of push past that. But there is a demand for styles of beer that I'm you know, not a massive fan of. Um, and I think in terms of what we're producing now, there's a lot of the lessons I've learned have actually been, have been through problems that a small production facility would have. Yeah. So, you know, just being able to chill beer down to you know, near freezing mm. and hold it there for a longer period of time. We weren't able to do that here. We could only really ever achieve about five and a half, six degrees Celsius. So that was enough to crash the beer and you know drop most of it out of suspension. But when you, you know, added in you know, the number of dry hops that are in you know, Mantra or Chairman Meow, you know, yeah. murky murky, <laughs> um, it just took far too long for you to get usable beer at the end of it. And that that definitely had an impact on on quality and, and being able to you know repeat the recipe. Mm. Whereas now with the equipment we have um, and just you know a decent you know set of processes around us, it's made it a lot easier um, to really focus in on the detail as opposed to all the little you know troubleshooting bits that you have to do when you're operating from your garage. 
Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. What What are your favorite styles? Like, if if you could only brew, like, if you only brewed the things you love the most, what would those uh, what would those styles be? Because I mean, Phoebe and I, it's always like a, a really hazy DDH is or a stout. I mean, yeah, we don't. Oh, or, yeah, or a. I mean, you uh, you said uh, Terry's chocolate orange stout, and oh, I could wait. I could just yeah, Phoebe immediately <laughs> is like yes. Um. So I'm not a massive uh, I'm not a massive dark beer fan. I've I've actually been educating myself because that's there's definitely a gap in my in my general knowledge there. Um, and I'm I'm really starting to appreciate stouts now. But I would I definitely be a hot forward beer, mm-hmm. um, a decent um, you know, decent West Coast pale. I really like the contrast there where you've got all of the malt um, that comes through with bitterness um, and all the tropical notes you get. Mm. But I. I don't think I, that's a really difficult one. I don't think I could settle particularly on one style because it's always changing. You know, whenever I buy from Bessel, I always go in there and I buy six cans and I say, I, I pick five and then I say to Sam, dealer's choice, just because you know he's, he would know what he's bought and it's really nice to open your eyes to that. Mm. Um, so the last time I think he gave me something, it was a Brute IPA, which completely blew my mind mm-hmm. and led me to buying red wine barrels <laughs> to yeah. put a pre-RPA in. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's, it's been quite nice for me coming from a, you know, learning. It's mm-hmm. not so much learning as you go. I think I'm past that now, mm-hmm. but it's nice to be discovering new things all the time. I've, yeah. That's what I really enjoy about this. And that's just, you know, in terms of recipe production, in terms of how to use you know, equipment and new things that we're getting in all the time um, and just tasting lots and lots of different products. Yeah, is that, how, is really. that your like, learning style? Are you, are you tasting primarily or have you been looking up on, in some books and things? Because there's some really good books out there. Um, yeah, yeah. What, have you been, what have you been checking out? So I tend, yeah, I think definitely in terms of style, I've tried to, um, I've tried to taste what I want, what I think I want to produce. And then as best as I can, um, you know, and again, there's great books with, you know, different um, ways of calculating recipes and some really actually very interesting clone books as well. So it helps when you are looking at um, different combinations that you would use mm. for a particular recipe. But I think it's such a, a wide market now that it's almost impossible to not use something as inspiration, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's very difficult to recreate something. And also... Um, you know, if, if I was to follow a recipe that 10 other brewers would follow, I, I would imagine they would all be different. Yeah. So I think there is a, an individual take that you have on a, on a particular style or a particular recipe. And that's what I like doing. I don't feel the need to, um, you know, follow something. Yeah, no, I like, I like that. When it, I'm like kind of thinking of cooking wise, you're very like, follow the recipe, do it exactly. If I don't have a, like that specific ingredient from that specific supermarket, I'm not going to make it whilst I'm just like tasting it going, I could put a bit of lemon in this stew. And it's like, yeah, it's so funny. you got to kind of get creative sometimes. <laughs> get play around. Yeah, you have. And, and I wonder as well, because I think there's so many elements to brewing that are so scientific mm-hmm. um, and need to be you know, right. And there are other things of it, other parts that you can be quite creative with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's actually treading a really fine line. Um, so something I'm finding particularly difficult, and I've, you know, I've asked John at Rome for help. <laughs> I've asked a lot of people for help. I just can't get over the line with certain elements of 
uh, water chemistry. Mm-hmm. I just have a mental block. I don't know why. Um, and obviously right now it's very difficult to get accurate um, mineral testing done on our supply. Mm-hmm. So we know we're pretty close, but you know, I sit down and use a bunch of calculators and I always just leave with a headache, really miserable. And that's something that I know if I can get my head around that, the quality of the product we're producing will improve. Right. But arguably, the reviews have come in and they've been very good. So it's not to the detriment of the product <laughs> as well. It's, that's a real challenge. But that certainly is a, you know, I know that that's something that we need to get right um, as quickly as possible so that we at least know what we're, um, you know, we know what it is that we're creating. Whereas right now, a certain amount of what we're doing on the water chemistry side is a big guess. Mm. But it's still out of Cool. And what, uh, what breweries do you take uh, inspiration from? What are your favourite breweries? At the moment, I'm a massive Polly's fan. Nice, um, yeah. I, I can't get enough. Um, I quite like Northern Monk, um, although I'm seeing a lot of them in, um, in the supermarket. So mm. I decided to pick up as much of their stuff. They did an amazing collaboration with someone. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I had that a couple of weeks ago. And mind was blown um and i haven't been able to get a hold of it since mm. um yeah I, I would say you know just following the, the route that other companies have been on you know I, I would probably say one of my favorite you know craft beers originally was elvis juice mm. um yeah that that was just my thing yeah uh, and what Brewdog have done as a company is, is incredible um, incredible growth they've really you know, created the scene and changed the world pretty much um, I think they've kind of been lost a little bit to the, you know, to yeah. wherever it is that they've gone as brew dogs. Um, <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still really fond of, um, of a lot of their products. Um, Hadstow locally have been one of my favourites recently as well. I yeah. went um, to see them last year to try and um, barter some, some um, surplus hops that they had and um, came away with a, a pack of their stuff, which is really, really good. Um, I really like their stuff. Um, mm. trying to keep on um and commercially yeah i think you know it, it is such a wide it's such a wide open market now mm. that it's always it's very very difficult to necessarily settle on something and i think locally even um, you know i'm i'm not necessarily a lager drinker everything i've had from bulletproof has been great mm. um rome are doing a fantastic job of um, producing the styles of beer that they do. So I think we're, we're really, for, you know, we're starting to become a little bit more fortunate down this way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're always, we're always mentioning it. Yeah. I'm going to mention it, the uh, the Plymouth Beer Mile. We're going we're gonna to have it. Yeah. We're going to do it. I was, I was going to say, in working with people uh, in the area, how do you see those kind of, do you, how do you see those relationships progressing hopefully over the next few years uh, with some of the local uh, breweries and also the ones further afield if, those are starting to happen. Yeah. Um, so we've been, well, I've been in, <laughs> I'm hesitant to say it because if they're listening, I wonder what they'd think, but I've been in daily contact with three or four places mm. that I just like SOS go to help. <laughs> Something's gone wrong. What do I do? Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the attic guys we're, we're really big fans of up in Birmingham and John at Rome is, just been incredible. I mean, he has his own, you know, COVID nineteen response, and you know, they opened a tap room, and he's there taking questions from me, which is incredibly nice of him. Mm. Um, so I want to, you know, want to build on those relationships. 
Um, but I, I think we're, you know, certainly at the moment, we haven't really been able to find our, I just don't think we found our flow yet to really know what to do. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, you know, a lot of choices for us. Um, I'd certainly like the opportunity to collaborate with John at Rome as much as possible. Mm. Um, just because I think he knows the local market. Um, he knows Plymouth incredibly well and he's an excellent brewer. Mm. Um, but for me, there's a real, um, I, you know, I've got quite a, I think it'd be a really nice idea to try and bring some of that collaborative spirit from up north down here because that's where I see the gap is. You know, even if you go to Exeter, there's more, there's more choice there than there is in Plymouth. Mm. And then when, when we start hitting Bristol, it just becomes a different, <laughs> it's almost like a different market need in a different country. So I think, you know, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm from Plymouth, so I feel like I get away with saying it. And I think, you know, the response that we've had to our product and the way it's been received, you know, with the choices that we're seeing people make, um, you know, someone asking us if we do a lager, no, we don't, we make a Kolsch. And then the next week they're buying, you know, a 12 box of it. Well, that must be good. I think mm-hmm. we converted to someone that just wanted to drink lager. So I think if we can continue that and do it in a surrounding where people can kind of understand the process and understand why it's different, we'll, you know, that will increase the awareness of what craft beer is down here. Mm-hmm. And at yeah. the same time, I think, I think we could do with some help from other places that have a, uh, have a wider market. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's not necessarily that just getting a, you know, a, small, a small brewery in Birmingham to come down here is going to do anything, particularly for the local beer scene. But I think it will help you know, raise awareness for the fact that things are different down here and that they could be better. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think there's quite a long way to go. But certainly over the last 12 months, I think it's turned a real corner with what everyone's proposing to do. And like you said, there's going to be the craft beer mile in a minute yeah definitely That's, yeah we've got we've got a little community yeah i'd say the last half a mile of that is going to be the walk just to get to the royal william yeah <laughs> we need like a little bit ground i was saying there should be like a little uh craft beer mile boat it's probably it's i was gonna say it's probably still nothing in comparison to when you go to london's or yeah. no, where it's all like you know there's loads where it's all back to back to back and then it gets to a point where you're having to travel like a considerable distance to the next one yeah especially but people if you do it the wrong still way. do it yeah yeah I, I, you're right I never really, um, so I've, I've worked a lot in London um, mm. and me, I'd never really seen craft beer there until last year when I was kind of finished a conversation with someone. We went to get a pint with some colleagues after work and found ourselves in what looked like a traditional pub, but they had, uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was Tiny Rebel on tap. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's at that point you realize, you know, this is so different than what is perceived here. Mm. And again, that's not me saying that you know, it's any different or it should be, should be done differently. But I think we're, um, you know, I think we're going to get there in a minute. I, I guess if there's anywhere people, anywhere oh, yeah. people plug. can support you, do you want to plug yourself quickly? Yeah, so all of our social media is still Bruco. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Our website's www.steelbrew.co. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in trying our brews, go and um, go to the shop and buy it on there. And we're also running the buy a pint for a key worker. Um, I think quite a few people know that we gave away a thousand free pints. Mm to keep workers our first beer we just dished it out out of the boot of my car <laughs> in Derriford car park bringing it to doctors 
Um, but now's the opportunity if people want to buy a, um, buy a beer for other keywords. Thank you very much for listening to the High Hops podcast. You can find us, as always, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. If you have any recommendations for us, you can let us know on Instagram, or you can email us at hellohighhops at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can follow Phoebe on Untapped. Uh, this weekend will be going away as well so we'll probably be drinking quite a lot of beer and we've got quite a few different ones this time we, we got, picked up a selection we do and we have some stuff arriving from from Pomona Island oh Pomona Island and we managed to get a few of the Craft Beer Channel stouts pastry stouts which I'm interested to try and they've just arrived yeah, at the office so I'm going to go and pick them up after I've recorded the, edit, finished editing this cool so we're excited um, we will be back next week with the beginning of American Month. American Month! American Month with episode 52. Can't believe we've gotten there so far. Or it feels like only yesterday we started this. Does it? <laughs> feels like many years ago. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.